This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for tuning in to episode four of the Fire Dog Podcast. Unfortunately, Ben is busy with work this week. He can't join us. I'll finally be able to get a word in. I appreciate that, Ben. Our topic of discussion today is the Rookie Firefighter Development Program. How many of you out there have heard of the Rookie Book? Probably many of you. How many Air Force Fire Departments have a Rookie Book? What if I told you all Air Force Fire Departments will soon have one? This is the vision of the career field manager, Chief Andy Morris. He put together a working group led by Chief Master Sergeant Select Max Wheeler out of Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico. I happen to be a member of that working group, along with 20 other leaders throughout Air Force Fire Protection. So it'll soon be hitting the streets to a base near you. It was developed based on the Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson rookie book. So today I'm going to talk with two firefighters from J-Bear. They'll provide their perspectives, their recommendations, insights into what to expect with the rookie book. Senior Airman Nick Martin, he recently completed the program and Staff Sergeant TJ Smith, he's a supervisor, trainer, evaluator, among other things. He'll be able to provide that first level leadership perspective. Before I have them share their thoughts and experiences, however, I'd like to provide a brief history of the program. As many of you know, I was once stationed at J-Bear, where Nick and Thomas are currently stationed. While there, I was a member of the team that created the Rookie Firefighter Transition Program, or RFTP as we called it, because you got to throw an acronym on everything. How many of you out there have been dissatisfied with the performance of firefighters coming out of tech school? How many fire departments in the Air Force have a standardized training program for integrating new firefighters into the department? How many of you are frustrated when brand new firefighters have to start their driver operator career development courses or CDCs within the first month of showing up or 60 days for overseas assignments? These are all questions I'm sure you've discussed in your departments and throughout the Air Force. We had the same discussions at J-Bear, and around about 2015, we decided to create the Rookie Firefighter Transition Program. The program included six modules, close to 300 tasks. It had writing assignments. It had oral board questions. It covered everything from basic firefighting to specialized capabilities, such as advanced life support, wildland firefighting. It also integrated the driver-operator career development courses. Before a firefighter could jump right into his CDCs, they had to complete the basic firefighting module. This provided a standardized set of tasks, such as how to catch a hydrant, how to operate equipment on the truck, how to deploy a handline. We also found that crew chiefs at different stations were teaching different things to new firefighters. The program sought to standardize the training so that everybody was on the same sheet of music. Once complete with the basic firefighting module, the firefighter could then move on to their first CDC. That's just a brief history on what we developed in Alaska when Chief Morris took the reins as our career field manager. He decided he wanted an enterprise-wide rookie firefighter development program and that he wanted to integrate the program into our career field education and training program, also known as CFETP. So if you haven't heard, now you know, coming to a base near you, a rookie development program. So again, today I'm joined with two firefighters from Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. They're here to talk about their experiences with the rookie firefighter transition program. Please welcome Senior Airman Nick Martin and Staff Sergeant Thomas Smith. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. It's morning there for you, afternoon for me. I'm on the East Coast. They're over in Alaska, obviously. So we're going to get right into their backgrounds, have them introduce themselves, uh, tell us kind of where they came from and what motivated them to join the Air Force. So Nick, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, and what made you want to join the Air Force? Hello. I'm uh, Senior Airman Nicholas Martin. 
I have uh, three wonderful boys. I'm 28, joined the Air Force just about two years ago. Uh, as far as where I grew up, it's kind of a little more complicated background, given that I'm a, a Navy brat. My father, he was Navy 24 years. So we kind of bounced around all over the place. I don't really have one place that I, that I call home. Uh, I let, enjoyed everywhere that I've lived. As for why I joined the Air Force, I kind of want to do something a little bit more meaningful. Uh, I worked a lot of odd jobs in my late teens and early adulthood. Everything from delivering pizzas to installing shingles on rooftops. But I wanted to do something, like I said, it was something that was bigger. Fifth generation military. Everybody else beyond was in the army. And uh, my wife and I wanted kids. So that was a good opportunity for that as well. Yeah, the military will take care of you if you have kids, obviously. Absolutely. You turned out pretty good. So you got a lot of background with military. You knew what to expect, kind of, maybe joining joining the Air Force, what the life was going to be like? I think so, especially with my wife. She she totally gets the, the TDYs and future deployments. I'm really fortunate there. Well, you're off to a good start, man. I heard you made senior airman below the zone. I did. Very grateful for that opportunity. Looking cool. forward to all the future steps as well. Yeah, not too many people make that. So that's a that's a huge accomplishment. TJ, you, you made it too, right? When you were back in the day? I did a couple of years ago, yeah. Look at you guys, man. I didn't I didn't have that accomplishment. I wasn't quite there. You guys are a step, <laughs> a step ahead of me, man. You're also, Nick, you were also named the 2019 Airman of the Year, right? For the Civil Engineer Group. They got a group up at Elmendorf. Yes, sir. Yeah, congrats on that, man. He's up for the 673rd Air Base Wing Airman of the Year. They're still, they haven't decided on who they're going to pick for that yet. It's here. We are February 22nd, 2020. The results haven't come out yet, but... Uh, if you make it, if you don't, obviously, two huge accomplishments so early in your career. Uh, you're off to a good start, man. Thank you. So we also have with us Staff Sergeant Thomas Smith. TJ, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you came from, your experience, your experience so far in the Air Force. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So no amazing background story. Uh, I grew up in Southern California. Um Joining, I didn't really have a purpose of joining. I had prior military family who had been Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and they saw the path that I was on. I grew up uh, real rough, single mom, two bro uh, brother and a sister, and I wouldn't say poor, definitely low income. Um, so everything that I had growing up was more so self-made aside from the family that I had that was trying to guide me in the right direction. Um they led me to the Air Force. I joined and I wanted to do something meaningful. Um, they, When I was talking to the recruiter, I was all about joining that spec ops side. I wanted to do uh, pararescue. Unfortunately, got DQ'd on that. They did a, this personality test that they used to have called the uh, TAPIST and really weird personality test um, that they actually don't even have around any longer. But when I was talking to him, he said, look, you're in the delayed entry program for a while. Let's let's get you on board. We can get you shipped out. Um, I'll throw you in fire if you want it. You know, it's something physical. You're still dealing with the medical aspect of things. So I was on board. I just wanted to get away from home, see what the world has to offer and um, kind of get my feet dug in. So I shipped out. Um, I got Yakota Air Base as my first duty assignment. So I showed up there, never traveled out of the country, never really traveled out of California. So showing up there is always uh, stressful when you're in a new location like that and new to the military, you want to impress everyone. My goal, honestly, coming in was just be the most hardworking guy there because um, 
no background, no real education of, uh, of the military or how things work. So I knew if I showed up with that mentality, I could pick up everything else along the way. And then, um, if I had to describe it in one word, it's just momentum, you know, showed up, um, talking about what you were, uh, what we discussed earlier, you get there, um, you start your first CDCs from there. Um, I excelled real well there. And then, uh, yeah, BTZ came along the way. That was always a goal of mine. I, I walked in the door and when we do those feedback sessions, they ask, you know, what are your goals? What are some of the things you want to accomplish? And for me, that was a huge one. And I guess I've always had the, the mentality if someone says you can't, or if someone told me at least that I couldn't do something that was okay, now I have to do it. You know, I have to prove this person wrong. And that's just the type of personality that I believe a lot of firefighters have, which is, which is not a bad thing. It's good to play off of those. Um, been in five years now. Um, been here at J Bear for two coming up in this coming up next next month. Two years here. So just continuing on that hard working mentality, I guess. Yeah, awesome, man. I know a lot of people that have success in the Air Force, they come from I don't want to I don't want to call it a rougher background, but people who have had to have experienced maybe not had things handed to them so much in life. They're, they're typically the, the better that you see in my experience anyways, they, they work hard for everything that they get. And so, I mean, it clearly, you know, that works oh, for yeah. you. So I don't know if you're familiar with David Goggins. He, uh, we talked about him in episode number two with Eric Barlow. Uh, he, he kind of had a, a rougher upbringing and it, it really, obviously it, you look how famous he is now. It, it did well for him. So, but. Oh yeah. We, me and Sergeant Barlow are actually real close. We talk about that guy all the time. If if I if I walk into his office and it's it's close to sweatpants thirty, and and he's telling me, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna get a workout in today. I'm always the one, you know, getting on him about that, and he he does the same. Um, yeah, Goggins is those those stories are always inspiring. And it, at first, it's hard. One thing I've always struggled with is the empathy side of things. You know, if as soon as I brought up coming from a hard background, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right away are like, Oh, what do you consider hard? Right. You know, and that's the same way it was. It was the same way that I was. It's hard to be empathetic when you feel that, you know, nothing that this person has been through can be as bad as what I've gone through in the past. And it's hard to do that as a supervisor. You have to get away from that because what, what seems minimal to you may, may impact others in a very significant way. So. Yeah. Everybody's experience is different and and everybody takes things differently. Yeah. That's, it's a thing that we all learn. Man. You don't just know it when you when you become a staff sergeant, especially you start to think about those things a little bit harder and you start to grow a lot as a leader and listening more. But you have to a good start, man. Uh, well, we'll roll right into the rookie program. We'll start talking about that. Nick, can you tell us about your experience with the rookie program? How long did it take you to complete it? How difficult was it? Yeah, it was a solid program. I really enjoyed it. It was kind of refreshing to touch on some of the basics that were kind of you're a little pressed for time in the fire Academy uh, due to time restriction there. So having, at least for J bear, we had, we currently have it set for a year to complete the program. It took me you know, right around t- uh, 10 months or so. That's actually pretty quick from my experience. I had some good opportunities to get out and do some training. Uh, I got here towards the end of the summer in 2018. So we were able to knock out some stuff then uh, a unique challenge to us here in Alaska was the weather uh, just about six months out of the year. We have snow. So that kind of, puts a damper on how much outdoor training you can do. But uh, there's there's a lot you can knock out inside on bad weather days. And then come summertime, it's pretty easy to hammer out some of those other objectives. 
but it's great. I, I really like the program. It's good to uh, really reinforce those foundations that you build your career on. So did the, does the program cover things that you covered in tech school? Does it cover things that maybe you didn't cover in tech school? Uh, just so for our listeners that may have never seen it, may have never been stationed at J-Bear, you know, you talk about training in the summertime and getting out and do those tasks. What kind of task was it? Pretty much everything was covered at the fire Academy, albeit quickly. Some things like you mentioned before, like, like catching a higher hydrant, uh, properly placing ladders, pulling hose, different techniques, more of the real world side of it, as opposed to the, uh, the textbook side. I want to, I, I want to say, yeah, you're applying it now where you're working. So you're getting familiar with the guys you work with and the girls, and you're getting familiar with the equipment on the trucks and stuff like that. Right. Well, that was the intent. Hopefully that, hopefully that translates over to the, the trainees. That was the intent of it. Yes. So TJ, tell us about your experience with the program, the uh, trainer supervisor perspective. We're asked to do a lot today. How do you fit something like the rookie program into the day-to-day tasks? Yeah, absolutely. You talk about being busy throughout the day or coming into the shift with a lot of responsibility. Uh, The thing I like most about the rookie book is it it does set that pace for the shift. As far as training goes, we have obviously our monthly training that we have to meet and whether it be tying it into that monthly training or just setting out certain goals that you want to accomplish with that rookie book, each shift is, is vital as a supervisor. Um, Like Airman Martin said, we have these timelines to get these done. And when you, when I came in, it was, if you didn't really seek that training out, a lot of the times you didn't get it. And that wasn't the fault of the supervisors necessarily. It was just, we have so much going on uh, throughout the year and it's hard to fit in these, these tasks with this standardized the way it's going to be. I know originally when you come in, you, you have these CDCs that are, that are pressed towards you, you know, you in process and right away you get, okay, here's your RFCDC. Let's get going on that. You have 30 days to complete the academic portion. And me personally, that was, that was hard because I'm, I'm tailboarding an engine my first couple months, but I'm working on an RFCDC. So I'm not, my time is divided there. And I, I feel like if I didn't seek out that training, I, I definitely would have missed out on a lot of those fundamental, you know, pulling a line. We talk about a hydrant bag and just the minimal basic firefighting tasks that we have to perform on a call. Um, so I like where the Air Force is going. At least I know, correct me if I'm wrong with the rest of the departments, but at least here we have that local policy of they won't be enrolled in that first CDC until 90 days um, of being on station, which I feel is is great. It allows them to focus on that basic firefighter and all those tasks that are handed to them every day. Um, we did revise it a little bit. So currently we have 12 oral board assignments or questions, if you will, that they have to complete um, as well as the writing assignments. They'll have, there's four modules. They'll have two writing assignments per module. And then they'll have one that's a more of so of a transition writing assignment. And that alone, those, as they're going through these modules, it sets the pace for them of what they should be doing each day. Us as supervisors is just making sure that we're prepared and making sure the, the airmen or these, these new guys coming in are prepared as well. Um, when we show up, you know, if I know that we're going to be doing a drill for him next shift, him or her, that I'll tell them, hey, hydrate, because next shift we're doing search or next shift. I know that we're doing vehicle extrication for monthly training. Make sure you have your rookie book with you and we'll and we'll get those tasks signed off. 
Yeah, I want to I want to hit something real quick. So we have this program, and the idea is to have a standardized way about training and everything. I'm not the Air Force is not telling you that you're not training as a crew chief. There's a lot of good leaders out there. There's a lot of good NCOs, and there's a lot of good civilian firefighters that I'm sure are doing these things with their firefighters at Base X or wherever they're at. The intent of the program is to standardize it so that everybody's on the same page. Uh, how many times have you been at a different station with a different crew chief and he was doing business a different way? Uh, so yeah. I just wanted to hit that. There, there's a lot of good trainers out there like Sergeant Smith. Uh, and and there's a lot of airmen out there that are good at, at seeking out that training, like you mentioned. Hey, show me what's in this bag and how I use it. And then there's some airmen out there that don't do that. So the right. idea is, is that the idea is to get everybody on the same page. So you mentioned 90 days and you know, that's when you first get enrolled into a, into the CDC, right? Is that right? Correct. So the intent when we first started was 60 days because according to the AFI at that time, you had to be enrolled in the first volume of CDC within 60 days for overseas assignments, which Alaska, fortunately we fell in the overseas category for stateside assignments. It was 30 days. So we were kind of, our hands were tied with the AFI, but so now the, the idea is to change the, change that, build it into the career field education training plan so that the first 120 days is when you focus on the basic firefighting stuff yeah, uh, cool. and then you can integrate into. So hopefully this will be an enterprise wide thing. It'll be hitting the streets soon. That's, uh, that's what we've pitched anyways, or that's what we wrote into the program. We'll see, we'll see when it hits the streets, but Nick, I'll ask you a similar, similar question that I just asked. TJ, we're especially overwhelmed when we're brand new. Uh, how were you able to complete the training while still accomplishing things like in-processing, mobility training, everything else that you're asked to do? So a big thing for me was you really have to kind of be intentional about what you do and compartmentalize so you can achieve all the tasks that you want to do. Um, for us, at least, we had a 45-day window to in-process. We have this checklist, and this is all simultaneous with beginning your initial steps of building your foundation, uh, the initial rookie book assignment. So you kind of have to juggle a few balls here to get things done. But as long as you're, like I said, intentional about what you do, have a time. I like to have a set time, which was uh, usually the evening for me to knock out whatever criteria I had to do. And that usually helped me stay on topic and on track with uh, the whole process. But now if you're coming in, with, with other rookies. In my case, I was kind of unique. I was, I was the sole rookie for about four or five months. But if you're coming in with somebody else, possibly from the same class from tech school, you can really kind of hold each other accountable, keep each other on track, bounce ideas off each other as far as when to do what. And it seems like it's worked out pretty well. Hey, Nick, how old are you? I'm 28. 28. So you got a little bit of life experience behind you then. A little bit. Yeah. So that, that probably helped you a little bit, would you say? i definitely say so. It sounds like you were a, a good time manager. So uh, that's critical with this stuff. And you're overwhelmed when you first get there, especially when you're 19. I was 19 when I first came in and they hand me a stack of papers or whatever they handed me and said, do this and let me know when you're done. That's pretty tough. And I didn't necessarily know how to manage time. But, so you had a little bit of advantage, but you, you took advantage <laughs> yeah. of it though. So it worked out. I think well having kids helped out uh, yeah. working around nap times and such. You really have to compartmentalize. So. Yeah. It's All funny right. you brought that up because being 19, that's the same time I joined and, and 
like you said, a little bit more life experience will, will sometimes benefit you. We have guys that honestly show up sometimes and they're, they're just figuring out life itself. They're being an adult for the first time, maybe not know how to do laundry, not know how to cook. They're, all these things are being figured out at once. And then we're, we're throwing these, this multitude of tasks at them. Uh, time management is, is definitely huge. Uh, I don't know for the rest of you out there, the bases that you're at, we have a, a study period for upgrade students. Uh, we usually do it from 1800 to 1930. And if, if nothing else throughout the day, I mean, except if we were to get calls that that's kind of a time for them to take a break, look over some rookie book assignments, look at their CDCs, get that study period in. Um, Cause you have CDCs, you have your rookie book. And on top of that, you got CBTs that you're due for airfield driving. We know how stressful these things can get. So. So you talked a little bit about writing assignments. We'll run into that. That's kind of a unique thing. So a lot of people all across the enterprise, they're already training. They're doing these things. Maybe they don't have a standardized way of doing it. Maybe they do. And maybe it's working for them the way that they're doing it. But writing assignments, it's probably something that's not typical for most places or not typical for a new guy to be doing. So I'll start with you, TJ, man. Talk about the writing assignments. And as a supervisor, you have to grade those, correct? Correct. Yeah. So what's that process like? Uh, how do you grade it? Is there a standardized way of grading? How's everybody on the same page with that? So the first part of your question, talking about how these guys, um, they, when I got here and I found out that they had writing assignments, I was in shock. You know, we didn't have those when I was coming up. So I was interested to see how that played into their day to day. Um, and I, I talked to my troops all the time and they say that they're in contact with their buddies at different bases. And they're like, what? You have writing assignments. Why do you guys do that? You know, it's, it's almost a shock to them. Um, like I said, we have nine that we currently, and they're per module. So when I'm grading these things, it's it's interesting because I'm not the only one that's going to read these. You know, they get funneled up. When, once we complete the rookie book, that goes to your battalion chief here, or most bases, they just have a, you know, an AC of ops. It'll go to them. They'll grade it. And then that eventually it works its way up. Chief reads these, you know, and it's his first his first take on how you, how your mind works. You know, he wants to know what your, what your take is on these, on these writing assignments, especially when it gets to that, that transition module of, of who you are as a person. You know, one of the topics that you're able to discuss in that transition module is bridging the gap between old and new. So he's always curious because obviously he falls into that older generation of firefighters. He wants to know where the mindsets are nowadays and how we, how we process the information that's given to us. Uh, basic grading scale, we have uh, what's called an assessed writing assignment feedback form. That's just a form that's in the rookie book. It, we use it as a template, and um, I'll have these guys save them in their personal folders on whether it be a shared drive or if they email them to me, that's fine. And I'll use that that feedback form to to grade the the assignment itself while maintaining the authenticity of how they write if that makes sense, because we want to, I don't want to change how they structured it necessarily. I want the people that are going to read this after me to get an accurate assessment of where this, where this uh, guy or girl's mind is at. Um, so I'm just looking at, you know, basic writing style. A lot of us came straight out of high school, um, no further education. And, and sometimes these writing assignments are difficult for them, but it's not the last paper that you're going to write in the military. So the same with the oral boards. It's it's something that we're trying to prepare you guys for in the future. 
So when we're greeting them, I usually use just a Microsoft Word and I can, I'm able to uh, circle, cross out, you know, add, add in notes here and there of, hey, expand on this or this makes no sense at all. You know, capitalize this and just the, the format that it should be in. Yeah, it goes through a couple of layers of that. I remember when I was working battalion chief, I, I also like to see what the guys talked about in the transition module and right. how would they bridge the gap. And sometimes you'd send it back like, hey, let me pro- provide you with some perspective and then think right. about that and maybe make a couple edits. No, that didn't happen too often. but Because like you said, you want to maintain that authenticity. Uh, it was always interesting to read what they said. Nick, how about you, man? What, what's your take on the writing assignments? Do you think you learned anything? So we started out, when we started this out, it was 25 total. I think it's nine now, right? Uh, all of them were 250 words. We kind of, we realized that maybe that was a little much, especially like you said, 19 year old guys coming right from tech school. That was probably a little much. So you start out with 50 word writing assignments and then it gradually moves up. Uh, did you learn anything? Did you see any value with the writing? Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely grateful that it's not still 25. I'm, I'm glad that it's nine, but, uh, it really helps you dig in. You have to kind of research the material that you're writing about. As most people know, listening, I'm sure they've had a struggle in the past where you can't just start typing about something you don't really know quite so much about yet. So researching these things and forming your drafts, doing all your editing and, and, and such while also working on your other rookie book skills really helps you understand the core content. And as far as the, the oral boards that we talked about, we now have 12 oral boards or oral questions, excuse me. And what I really like about those, as opposed to the vast additional writing assignments we used to have, is that when you prepare for these oral boards, you can't really bring in like a little flashcard of notes on there. You, you have to know the content that you're talking about. You can't really pull facts out of the air. You have to memorize it, you know, and, and really commit to it. So I think that really helps me out to, uh, learn and understand the content of what we're talking about. Yeah. It kind of hits all the different types of learning, right? So being able to read and then write out what you just read, it's articulating your thoughts. It's a, it's a good way to learn. Same with having to articulate your thoughts and talking to somebody. And then now you have to have your chest up and your eyes up. And I think it's a good thing to, for development. I mean, maybe I have a little bit of a bias because I was a part of the team that started this program, but the oral boards actually didn't start out initially. Those are something that was at, were added after I left that training office up at J bear. But so Nick, what are some recommendations you'd give to new airmen who are about to start the program? Well, I could think of really three points. Um, the first, like I mentioned before with, with myself staying on track is to be intentional with what you do. Uh, I was doing some reading the other day and they say it takes about 21 to two, 21 days to six months to really form a habit. Uh, excuse me, two months, 66 days. Um, and I was thinking the fire Academy is 68 training days, weekends and holidays excluded. So you're already in that mindset of learning new content, whether you're prior firefighter or not, you have all of this dedicated time to learning new content. And when you get to your base and you start in this rookie book program, don't slack off. Don't, don't fall into that trap of, of, easing off the gas, you know, you're, you're already for the most part, you know, everyone's different, but you're pretty much on that, on that track to form that habit. So if you can tie in your studying, 
your hands-on practice, whatever it is that you do at your base, keep doing it and, and stay on track. Cause the moment you stop or slow down, it's a slippery slope from there. And all those, those little, um, perishable skills will start to slide. So like I said, stay on topic. And, uh, if you're coming in with somebody else or whether you're by yourself and you want to beat some kind of record of who did the book, the fastest, you know, little, little friendly competitions, really good motivator. They'll always be that just like below the zone, right? Absolutely. And the last thing I would say is don't take any shortcuts with your training. You know, when you, when you're out there, you're out there jobbing, make sure that you're doing your job right and hold each other accountable. If you're with other rookies, uh, the last thing you want to do is when you're initially learning something, because you tend to remember what you first experience if it's something that you've never seen before. So whether it's making that connection or you have a you know a kink in the hose or something, some small thing that could be prevented, help each other out so that you don't make those little mistakes. Uh, because in this career field, shortcuts and, and little missteps can really be a big deal. Yeah. We so, learned that we will learn that a lot during 14 tendrils and uh, Mr. Miller shout out Mr. Miller out there at J bear. He, he started 1410s up at J Bear. Now I know a lot of places do it. It's a requirement per NFPA. But we started learning that when we kicked that off at J Bear. How many of those small mistakes start to add up to your time? I think something like the rookie book and going out there and being doing crew prof- proficiency training and ironing out some of those kinks, no pun intended. That'll help when it comes to actually perform on a fire or perform on a real emergency. TJ, I'll ask you a similar question. What advice would you give a company officer, a supervisor, or a trainer on how to be successful with the rookie program, with specifically with scheduling and conducting training? How do you manage your time? So to start, Airman Martin was actually one of my troops uh, from the beginning. I've had him since he came in, and I'm sure he can attest to my advice for other company officers is don't be afraid to require more of these guys than than they're comfortable with. They may not know their comfort level starting out. And when when you guys, when this thing hits the streets, if like you were saying next year, whenever it comes to your base and you have this transition program in place, these guys are going to perform a task and they're going to want to be signed off on it right away. And not because it necessarily they want to cut the corner, but because they want to move on to the next, they know they're on a time constraint, right? If you're not comfortable with these guys performing that task or it was kind of sketchy or you feel like they need more work than by all means, schedule a later date where you can perform it again. And I'm sure that the these trainees they're they're gonna feel that level of success when they get when they have it down, right? One thing I always told Martin and the other guys is, you know, amateurs practice until they get it right, professionals practice until they can't get it wrong, right? That's something that you want to carry forward. And going back to what he was saying about if I could summarize everything Airman Martin was saying, when you get to your next base or your first base is just to capitalize, capitalize on the opportunities. If you see that we're doing on the weekend, we do these things called rookie rodeos. And I'll try to combine that with guys that maybe need a license on a truck. Hey, we're doing rescue training. Oh, hey, you need training on the airbags or you need training on how the rescue 42s work. Let's raise the light tower, things like that. When we're when we're performing these tasks and you know that that's due in your in your rookie book, don't look for someone to hold your hand. Capitalize on that. And that that is a big part of the, the company officer and supervisor's task or responsibility when it comes to these rookie books is make sure they, for one, have it every day. That thing should be stapled to them. I like to say, um, if you ask them for it, hey, go grab your rookie book. Let's see what we can knock out for you today. 
it it'll it'll set the pace for your shift as a as a supervisor and my biggest advice going forward is it takes a lot of preparation on your part too right if you're going to be teaching something you want to teach that in a way that it's going to stick in a way that makes sense if you're not prepared you lose a lot of credibility and you almost come off as incompetent if you're not well prepared for the task it is a good refresher honestly there's some things where i haven't touched the tripod in years let's go set it up first before i teach a class on it and make a fool of myself to these brand new guys who are who are looking to me for that for that guidance you make a great point be humble as a leader and the trainer nco i still got to do that today there's a lot that i don't know there's a lot that all of us don't know right hey can you show me how to set this tripod up well i haven't set it up in three years but let's give it a shot let's learn together i can tell you what i remember it's it's good learning experience for company officers too i remember as a trainer in the rookie book i learned probably just as much as the rookies did Right. You know, you you get out there and you become proficient where you may have not done that proficiency training before. Now this program's driving you to do it and you got to do it in a certain order. It made everybody better, made the entire team better. So it's good in that way too. It definitely develops rookies, but it develops the department. Now I find out where these, these guys excel also, you know, you, you go through these modules and, and unfortunately a bigger department, if you're at one, you're not going to see these guys very often. That's another motivator to make this training stick and make it meaningful when you perform it. Don't just go through the motions. But if I do have the ability to work with them through the numerous tasks that they have in their book is I find out what Airman Martin or any of these other airmen are good at, you know, Hey, you're good at medical stuff. Help us out with this program where we're going to roll out some new training. And I want you to lead that in the future as a senior airman when you become a trainer, because I know you're well-versed and maybe rescue training, medical, structural. Oh, you love wildland? Let's get you on the Ross team for next year and send you out with these with these groups. So kind of make a name for yourself. Take advantage of it. Like I said, capitalize. If you're, if you're coming up in the ranks, this is a great opportunity to set yourself up for success. When this program first hit the streets at J-Bear, I was sitting in Chief Danan's office, and we were talking about it back and forth. This is before the, the first book was handed to the first trainee or the first rookie. And, you know, we were both pretty excited about it. I think Chief was. I don't want to speak on his behalf. But the one thing that he did mention is, he's, I think this thing's going to be repeatable. So we're going to get the rookie in. He's going to get trained. We're going to get new people in. That rookie's now going to train those new people. And so we're kind of in a repeatable cycle. It's going to make everybody better because they're going to constantly be learning and teaching. But, um, yeah, I wanted to give some perspective on the rookie rodeo. You guys are on B-shift, right? Correct. Yeah. Ballers. There you go. I was a shift over there. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah, man. So I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't brought that up fighting words on here, but anyway, <laughs> I want to give some perspective on the rookie rodeo. I know B shift was really good at it. We did it as well on a shift. For those of you who don't know, Jay bear is a geographically separated place. There's seven fire stations. Anyways, there's four, right? Four or five, five engine companies. And so anyways, the people are spread out all over the place on the weekends. We took the opportunity to get everybody in one spot, bring trucks that people didn't have licenses on or, you know, trucks that had equipment that people needed training on and we would train. So that, that's what a rookie rodeo is. I just want to provide some perspective on that. So, well, I appreciate you gentlemen joining me today, sharing your perspective on the rookie development program or the rookie firefighter transition program, as it's called at J-Bear. I'm confident the information you shared is going to help trainees and trainers be successful with the program. 
Listeners, if you have any questions relating to the rookie development program, you can send them to our email address. That's the Fire Dog Podcast, the Fire D A W G Podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a message on Facebook. You can comment on our posts, or you can leave us a message on YouTube. So, Nick, you got any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I appreciate you for the time. It's been good to get on here and, and talk about this. Yeah, thanks for coming. TJ, how about you? Any final thoughts? Yeah, for any of you guys that are that are just coming in, looking to join, or you're at your first duty location and this hits you guys in the near future, um, use it to your advantage, right? We, not everyone is, especially as supervisors, we don't always get fortunate enough to have that Airman Martin who comes in and they're, they want to be motivated and they want to get this thing done as quick as possible, but use it for your future. If BTZ is one of those goals, um, one thing I like to do with the oral boards is, is make them do, you know, report in the exact same way you would report in for, for a BTZ board, you know, Airman Martin reports the oral board is ordered. And then we'll, not only will we judge your oral board off of that, but we'll, we'll kind of give you some board etiquette ideas and stuff like that. Cause I know public speaking is hard for a lot of us out there. Just capitalize on opportunities. If you're a supervisor, come prepared, educate yourself, lean on those civilian counterparts. A lot of us have those, those civilians with, 10, 20 plus years of knowledge, lean on those guys as well. Be humble, like Sergeant Wilson said. Yeah, that's awesome advice, man. I, again, I, I thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks for giving me some time to talk with you and, and sharing your thoughts with, with everybody who's going to listen to it. So I look forward to you guys doing great things in the career field. Best of luck to both of you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you very much. That will do it for us on this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more content just like this regularly posted on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast. That's facebook.com forward slash the Fire D-A-W-G Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Don't forget to rate this episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is host Matt Wilson and our guests Nick Martin and TJ Smith. Until next time, stay safe.